When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to part two of my interview with Arthur Lyman. Today's episode is sponsored by the Flying UW Ranch and by the Gable L Ranch. The Gable L Ranch raises purebred Angus cattle and you can check out their website to see what they have for sale at gablelranch.com. But with that being said, let's dive right in. I don't think I need to give Arthur another introduction, so here we go. Enjoy. I'm going to deal with a little bit about my childhood and some of the things that we did when I was younger in Boulder. Uh, and here again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bless this on my kids or my grandkids, <laughs> some of the stuff that we ended up doing. They had a, this little band of wild horses out in the Circle Cliffs. My dad knew, kind of knew where they come from. Some of the old timers just kind of left the horses down there so they didn't have to feed them hay. But the first time I ever remember... They they was thirteen mares down there. They had gotten rid of all the studs, and they they just didn't want them getting pop, populated. Mm-hmm. But they was thirteen mares down there, and my dad's brother Truman uh, gave my dad a a black horse that he had raised. He was he was straight black, but his mother or dad was a, was a Palomino. I'm telling you that because a lot of these colts down there got to be buckskins, oh. black manes and yellow. But they took this. Black horse down there, and he was young. He was probably just two years old. They took him down there and got him with those wild horses, but he was gentle enough that he was broke to lead, but they, they took him down there, and, and uh, he, he was famous for coming into the crowd at night when you had saddle horses in there and, and squealing and whatever. But anyway, <laughs> they, they took him down there uh, to, to get those mares to start having colts. So anyway... He the the stud had been around and and we used to go chase the wild horses. That was our recreation. That was our fun. When I uh, when we were kids, Mark and I, we had an old saddle that had a an aluminum horn and aluminum stirrups, and uh, that's what we rode. That's cool. <laughs> and I've got the one saddle that we bought. We paid a hundred dollars for it. It's in here. But we we finally saved up our money and bought a, a good saddle. But one of us always had to ride that one with the metal <laughs> stirrups. And we hated it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I was with my dad one day, and like I say, we just had those old pickups, flatbeds, haul two horses. We were down there after stragglers, and we went around the trail one day, and. Uh, when we drove the cows, that's where I learned how to drive pickup. He would send he would send me 
it would just be Mark or I with him, but when we'd drive the cows out of there, we'd have to drive the cows up the road. One of us would go back, get the pickup, load the horse, bring the pickup up, and and tag that way. Well, that's where I learned how to... I was so little, the first time he sent me back to get the pickup, I couldn't get the tailgate in. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> we were down there, and I, I probably was... I was probably 12 years old then, but we started around this cow trail around uh, looking for cows, and he said, my dad said to me, he said, you go back and get the pickup, I'll go on around this trail into Silver Falls Canyon where the water is to see if there's any cows, and there was horse tracks, pony tracks on the trail, and he said, if I find me a wild horse, I'm going to catch one, so, you know, I start back down the trail, I've, I've been gone from him about 10 or 15 minutes, and guess what I run into? A mare and a colt, big colt, and this old black stud horse, and I think, I'm going to catch that colt. <laughs> and how old are you? I was probably about 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, the, the, the mare, she took off and left the colt with the stud. And I thought, well, I, the old stud, he never would run very much, very fast. But I got up. The colt was running in front of him. I got up close enough to him that he kicked. And he kicked the stirrup on my saddle or he'd broke my leg. He hit the stirrup and it bruised my leg pretty bad. But anyway, I caught the colt. And the big thing was my dad always packed a brand and iron on his saddle. It looked like a donut, but it wasn't as thick. But he'd throw, put that in a fire, and they'd put, uh, he'd get two green sticks and put it like that, and he'd get a hold of that donut. And that was the thing. If they caught something they didn't want to bring out, they'd put a brand on it. <laughs> so that was what my deal was that day. And I didn't have a brand iron, and we used to have those lightning buckles. You ever seen those, the lightning buckle on the front seats instead of just the strap around? So, so I'm thinking I'll get take my lightning buckle off, get it hot, and put a brand on this colt. Because <laughs> he's not big enough to, to, to really go home. Uh-huh. So I get in my pocket. We always packed matches. I get in my pocket of my shirt, and I had two matches, but they'd gone through the washing machine. And oh. They wouldn't strike. <laughs> uh-huh. So anyway, I, I turned the colt loose, and the stud had taken off. I turned the colt loose, and he followed my saddle horse clear back to the pickup. Really? And I thought, well, I'm going to catch this colt and, and load him in the pickup. I'll surprise my dad. So I'm down there in the flat trying to catch this colt, but he won't. The colt won't let me get close enough, close enough to rope him. But my dad finally come back looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering what was yeah, taking so long. <laughs> anyway, we just he said let that colt go, so we did. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, just a couple of years after that, uh, uh, my dad. Uh, time gets away from him, but. Anyway, my dad, those Escalante wild horses, Wilson's had a lot of them. And I remember the old brand that they used. It was a T with a bar on top of it. Anyway, my dad, had, they'd sold three horses to my dad that were out on the out on the big flat there. And they used to bring those horses in to, for the rodeo, some of them, to oh, buck. Oh, really? But they'd bring them into the, where Chad lives at the, not in the old listing place to the trail. Uh-huh. So Mark was with my dad the day they went and helped him bring the horses in. Wilson's was there to help. So they, they brought up, I don't know how many horses in, but they, the three that my dad had bought from Wilson's, they were branded. He had to bring two of them home in that pickup, go back and get the saddle horses, go back and get the third one. Well, he goes back, and this is the day after, he goes back, and Neil Liston and Wilson's and them guys were in the trail, and there was one mare in there that nobody claimed. She had black mane, I call them chestnuts, but she had black mane and kind of a dark sorrel color, and she had three stocking legs. And they told my dad, if you want that mare, we'll give her to you. Nobody claims her. So he brought her home. Mm. And 
my dad and Mac Lefevre had gone up in northern Utah and bought a thoroughbred stud and a, a couple of thoroughbred mares uh, about that time. And the old stud horse, I remember his name, it was Solid Bars. We had a halter with his name on it. But my dad got to breed in quite a few mares, him and Mac, this old Solid Bar stud. Well, he brings this mare home and that's he breeds her. She has a colt the next year and it's, it's colored just about like her. She had a white bally face. So he breeds her the second time and decides I'm taking her down there to turn with those horses down there and get rid of the old black stud. So that's what they did. He took her down there and, and turned her loose. The colt she had the second year, he had white stocking legs clear up above his knees, bally faced, and that that was our that was our prize. We was gonna catch him. <laughs> we never could catch him. <laughs> but we got some pretty he got my dad got some pretty good color out of him. Between that and the old black stud having the the yellow gene in, they got mm-hmm. quite a few buckskins. That's cool. Yeah, but so anyway, would people turn like would you turn? You'd buy horses and then you could just turn them out like that. Well, they go... just the BLM was smart enough to know that, and nobody wanted to. They just my dad and his brother Kirk just kind of managed those horses. Oh, okay. We tried to keep them whittled down so that they weren't interfering with the with the livestock, the cattle grazing down there, and. Oh, yeah. I rode them stupid Mustangs when I was a kid. And, <laughs> and of course, we were kids breaking them to ride, and they'd break and run with you. And that was that was the fear instinct in them. Yeah. Down that lower boulder road, you go down there, to, and it, it makes that kind of an S turn. More than once, we'd go to town, uptown, and start them things and run them down the road, and they couldn't make that turn. They'd run right <laughs> through the fence. <laughs> How long did they st- were those horses out in the circle? Uh they they passed the Wild Horse Act in 72 or 73, so that's when we decided it wasn't worth it to, to even monkey with them. Okay. Uh, we slipped in there one time, and we caught two of them. Uh, like I say, they were not, they were domestic horses. They, yeah. they couldn't even be classified for wild horses, but they, they would do it now. But anyway, between my dad and Kirk and and. You think it's cruel, but they they had to do it sometimes. They just had to shoot some of them because you couldn't ride that rough country down there. You couldn't gather them up. You couldn't ride fast enough to catch them. So they would just have to shoot them sometime to get rid of them. But when they decided, the BLM decided to go gather what was left down there, there was six or eight horses left down there. And they went and gathered them all up and and got them out of there. And the Escalante guys had, had got wind years before that they, the BLM started reducing their cattle numbers, so they went down there and they got rid of all the, the horses off the Escaline Desert probably 10 or 15 years before the Boulder horses went okay. away. Did you tell her about the time you were gathering and you were riding Lizzie and Uncle Kirk was up on there? Yeah, well, uh, some of these horses out of this solid bar stud, and one of, we had one of them named Crazy, and he was. Crazy. <laughs> and, and Mac Lefevre had one, we called him Crackbone. Mark and I broke him to ride, and old Mac had always... When he'd come to ride, he'd say, you boys ride this old horse for an hour before I get on him, because if I ride him, he'll buck me off. He never would buck with us, but he'd buck Mac off. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, I was on Crazy one day, and we'd try to, the horses would be up in the hills, and one of, one of us would go around them and try to bring them down past it, relay them. Uh-huh. My dad went around uh, some one day and brought them down to me, and I was on old Crazy. 
And I swung at this little roan mare, and I, I didn't catch her, but she was run down enough. I slipped up and got her hold of her tail and dallied it to the horn, thinking my dad would catch up and we'd have her. Well, about the next thing I knew, Crazy had run right, they, her, the, the Mustang and Crazy had run right into a big old cedar tree. I mean, we crashed in there like a <laughs> crash in the car. <laughs> and them horses, them old saddle horses, they would run until their old muscles would just turn to jelly. You could tell when they had done everything they could. Well, old Crazy... I had to let go of that mare, and I took after her again. I don't know how far I took her, but his old legs turned to jelly, and I was just right there, and I knew I could catch her. I hurried and jumped off, throwing my saddle off, and I think I can catch her bareback, but old crazy, he just couldn't go. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> yeah. uh, another time, Dale and my dad and Mark was with, with us, and Dale had, Dale's left-handed, and he'd had his shoulder tore up in the Army, and he, he, couldn't, he couldn't swing a rope. I, I kid my grandkids about rope like Uncle Dale does. Just take the loop and drop it over. Well, we, we run one uh, yearling stud one day until he, I got him by the tail, and Dale was with him, and, and we had swung, throwed, tried to rope him two or three times. We couldn't rope him, and I finally got his tail, and Dale finally came over there and dropped the loop over his neck. That's how we caught him that day. So that's some of the wild horse stories. Yeah, this is when we went down there bootlegging. It was after the wild <laughs> bootlegging. <laughs> this is after the wild horse. We decided we'd go down there. There was a little bunch, and that's when Kelly Roundy first came to Boulder, and he's a good roper. Me and my dad and Kirk, there was five of us, and Ke Kelly Roundy, and those horses never went over in wide mouth, but that day they went in wide mouth, and, it, and we knew they couldn't get cleared the river. So we get over in there and we leave Kelly up on this upper end because we figure we'll have them winded by the time they get to Kelly. Mm -hmm. My dad, Dale, and then me and Kirk went down to get around them. And they got down in there in that rough rocks and I, Kirk left me in the bottom and I had this Lizzie mare. And she's just two years old. And the old, the old uranium guys had been down in there and built a road. But every hundred yards or wherever the road had kind of washed out. Well, I get down in there, and Kirk he gets up in the rocks, and I can see him working them things around. And they come down in the bottom, and and they hit that road, and up the road we went. And I turned Lizzie loose, and I she scared the heck out of me. <laughs> and I was probably 35, 40 years old by then, wasn't I, Julie? Lost my hat, and I throwed that loop as far as I could, and lo and behold, it went one around one of them's neck, and. Here I was on Lizzie, dallied to the horn, and I just get her slowed down. I could see them little jumps coming in the road. I just get her slowed down enough to where I think I was going to get her stopped. And when she'd hit one of them, and I'd have to give her a head and then up and up to <laughs> Kirk, he was laughing when he came up. He said, I've never seen such a sight. Well, anyway, the horses went up, and they hit Dale and went up the rocks. And Dale, one of them run down over the over the hill and hit a little patch of ice and he fell down with his head underneath him. Dell couldn't get his saddle horse up close enough to drop the loop over his head. Oh. So Dell had to get off a foot, put the rope around his neck and get back on his horse. This all <laughs> happened before that thing could get out. Anyway, Kelly never even got a run out of him that day. But that was the last, that was the last horses that we ever got out of there. Kelly missed out on all the fun. Yeah. Uh, my Mark and I, like I say, back to my dad's old pickup, and we were probably 16, 17 years old by then. But my dad had gone down there, <coughs> and the old wire crail was still there. They still use it. 
but it's right along the road, and it, and the old timers build it. It's probably two or three acres. Plus, it has a little wooden loading chute to load cattle up a chute to get in. Well, anyway, my dad had gone down there and found some cows, and put them in the crail. He loaded the pickup with what cows he could haul, brought them to Boulder. He told me and Mark that night. He said, "We'll," and and we was we was probably going to high school then. But anyway. He said, you guys will load another horse. You can go back down there, take your sleeping bags. I'll load the rest of the cows, bring them home, and you guys can sleep overnight. I'll come back the next day and get you. So we get down there, and the the horse that my dad was riding was a mare, and there'd been a stud horse around that crail in the night, flirting with that old mare. <laughs> so anyway, just as an afterthought, my dad, he's always cackling. He said... Uh, and, and he told us, he said, you can go chase wild horses, but watch for cow tracks, whatever, but stay here and I'll come back in the morning and get you. Well, anyway, <coughs> the gate that went in there was a wire gate, but had quite high posts on either side. And he said, my dad said, maybe if you guys tie one horse on this side on that post, one on this side, maybe that little stud horse will come up and he'll run right in the crail tonight. So anyway. That night, we went to sleep, and it was moonlight night, but we went, we was kind of just a little ways away from the crail, and we just got laid down, Mark went to sleep, and pretty soon I could hear this little clip-clop, clip-clop, <laughs> here come this horse up the, up the road. So he come up there, and I woke Mark up, and he gets around there and starts to squealing with these horses, and the gate's open, and so we get out, and we'd got our clothes on, and there was it, the road, and then it kind of went up on a little side hill there so we get around this side hill and this little stud he can smell us he knows somebody's around there but he's looking around being silly we started to clap in our hands on that side of that hill and he run right in the crail so we hurried and shut the gate wow well <laughs> we couldn't wait till daylight we had to get him in that little pen that night or he so he couldn't get away but he couldn't get out of that crail so we got him, we led our saddle horses in that little chute pen and get him in there and it's got a little plywood gate and we get in there and and we're hanging over the pole fence trying to rope that Mustang. We couldn't, like I say, we couldn't wait till morning. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden that Mustang run at that little plywood gate and it popped it open. And down through the crail he went. He was out of there. We thought, oh man, there goes the crail. He hit the barbed wire fence and you can, you know how, you can imagine yeah. how that wire squeals. <laughs> but it stopped him. <laughs> so we get out and then it made a nice little waddle on his nose he had a <laughs> waddle on his nose for this. anyway we get him back in there and, and we got him roped oh we were just proud when my dad come the next morning and we told him that story and he, my dad just oh you liars he said you know he just couldn't believe that we got him in there but we were pretty proud of that little that little deal like I say we'd take those horses home and, and, and break them to ride Weldo Wilsey in Esclany, I don't know how old, well you know him. Mm-mm. He's Jimmy's older brother. His dad got killed when I started seventh grade in a in a truck wreck, but my dad got to selling those wild horses to Bob Wilsey, and he'd break them to ride. Weldo, I'm sure Weldo wouldn't mind me saying this, but Weldo, after his dad got killed, he got in a little bit of trouble and got sent to reform school. But when he come back... I remember Weldo riding those Mustangs up, oh, up really? around the streets, and I knew what they were. They had those my dad's and Dale's brands on them. Uh, but anyway, that's that was kind of the that's the wild horse stories. That's cool. So when I was a kid, 
back to this old saddle that we had with the metal horn, the metal stirrups. Uh-huh. We weren't very old, and I can't imagine my dad doing this to us, but he gave Mark and I each a colt one, one year, mm-hmm. and that's before solid bars time, so they were not thoroughbreds. But when they got to be two, year old, two years old, Mark and I decided we was going to break them to ride. Well, the one I had was a buckskin, and I, I got to where I could get on him and ride him while Mark tried the red one, and first thing it done, bucked him off. <laughs> so my dad comes to the house, and my mother's telling him that Mark got bucked off, and he had that old saddle with those metal stirrups. And my dad said, well, we'll put Art on him. He can ride him. So I get on that thing and two jumps, and he throws me higher than a kite, but I can just remember that horse going down along this wire fence, bucking and them little stirrups just to climb him back. We're like that. <laughs> So that's, we started pretty early riding bronc horses. When Dale came out of the service in 59 or right along in there, him and my dad, Dale thought he was a bronc rider and my dad was too. They'd get those horses in the trail and they'd go to bucking and riding them. And uh, Yeah, and back to those Leo Wilson horses, there was two of them that was Palomino. One of them was a red horse. And I remember when my dad rode the red horse the first time Dale was still in the service. We had a pretty good sized trail there in Boulder. And my dad had the haystack in there. We'd sit on top of the haystacks and watch my dad and he'd get the neighbor guy to come down there and kind of snub him. But he got on that red horse a time or two and that red horse he bucked, bucked a lot. So we're down there one day and I don't know how, my dad hadn't rode him very much, very long, but me and Mark's down there and we're saddled up ready to go down across the Boulder Creek and out on Haymaker. And, uh, my dad got on that horse and he bucked him around the corral and, and, and finally told Mark and I, he said, and we hardly ever used these old big board gates. We always went out the other end of the corral where there was a set of bar, bars into the pasture. But my dad said, you need to let me out that old, those big gates and then I'll be in the sand and if he goes to bucking, I'll, I'll be able to handle him. Mm-hmm. So between Mark and I, we got those gates open about three foot wide. The sand had blowed up there to him. Anyway, we got on our horses. And my dad come through them gates on that, called him Lightning, and the, that horse went to bucking. Down through there he went, and he went down off, went across the little meadow and cleared out in in the brush out south of the house. It was probably three-quarters or a mile out there, but we picked up my dad's hat, his rope, his coat, <laughs> his spurs, <laughs> one of his spurs. But he had stayed on that horse, but he'd got him out there and got him in that brush and got him slowed down. So we rode him all that day and come back, but that horse just, whenever he got ready to buck, he just bucked. And Dell came home, and Dell said, ah, I can handle him. <laughs> but he just bucked all the time. So they, there was a, uh, an outfit from all around Cedar City that was doing these little little rodeos. And Esquani mm-hmm. did have a kind of a, quote, professional rodeo a couple of years in there. And they sold that lightning horse to that uh, guy, and they brought him into Esquilani that that night with the bucking string and they rode him they didn't ride him but they they bucked him out bareback rode him twice and they he bucked him off Gosh. but the truckload of horses went out there that night and he they rolled the truck somewhere over by henryville or something and it killed some of the horses and it killed that that lightning horse huh. that night so that that ended him uh the one palomino horse i've got a picture of me on him in my bedroom I called him Crackers. I rode him for crackers. a long time. I, my dad was always trading horses. I'm sure that's what he'd done with old Crackers. Sold him to somebody. Uh, when I was a kid, they built the Boulder Rodeo Grounds. And I think Pratt Gates, 
probably talked a little bit about it, but they would have a 4th of July celebration in Boulder at that Boulder Rodeo Grounds. That's Klein do the 24th of July Rodeo. And ever once, well, for two or three years, they'd done a Labor Day Rodeo in, in Boulder. Is that the old, the old rodeo grounds, like when you just leave Boulder yeah. going up the mountain? Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a kid when they built that. I remember Paul Hansen, they was trying to get him to tamp them big posts in over there underneath the crow's nest. And don't fall on the <laughs> tamp twice and throw some more dirt in there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they used to put on some pretty good rodeos. Ralph, and they, well, they were not professional rodeos. I remember when, you, when I listened to Ralph Shinoff, he came over there, and some of those guys, they would just put a... They would just put a rope around the horse's belly and ride him with two hands. Really? Yeah. And I remember <laughs> Ralph Shinoff coming over there riding some of them horses at the rodeos. That's cool. Uh, they, Dale had a horse when he first got out of the service. They called him Bug Juice, and he was a roping horse, but he bucked. So they'd buck him out of the buck and shoots. Next thing you know, they'd be roping off of him. Out of the <laughs> really? <laughs> this this. Crackbone horse that we had broke for Macla Fever, big thoroughbred and had quite high weathers. Well, he was the same way. We brought him in there one day, and I decided to bareback bronc ride him, and that was my first injury to my pelvis oh. on him uh, that day. But like I say, you buck him, and, and, and he was a good horse. We rode him for a lot of years. Uh, but uh, Mac was always <laughs> Mac was always a little bit leery of him, and Dell always said, if Mac had quit feeding them horses a gallon a day, grain <laughs> a day, they wouldn't buck with him. Mark and I fixed this up a little buck and shoot down to our place down Lower Boulder, and we'd ride my mother's milk cows and whatever cows we'd get in the crowd. We wanted to be bull riders, but thank goodness we never did get get into it. I remember my dad had a yellow horse that would buck, and he kept it at McKay Bailey's for a little while. And Kay, you know, like he'd always walk out there and dump a gallon of grain yeah. on a bucket for his mule that he had left. So when my dad had his horse right there with that mule, he'd get a lot of grain too. And my dad was like, okay, could you stop graining that horse for me? Like he bucks hard enough as it yeah. is. And he said, as long as he's on my place, he's going to get grain. <laughs> One experience that I had, and like I say, I never rode a, a good broke horse for a lot of years, but... Uh, when we, when Mac and I was going down there packing those people's groceries and stuff, we put the horses up in that Fool's Canyon, that big old sandy bench up in there, and, mm-hmm. and we went up the next morning to get them, and uh, we'd just slip on bareback and lead one and let the rest of them follow into the river to camp there where we were camped. And Anyway, I slipped on this little Mustang bareback up there, and as you come out of there right close to the river, they had to kind of go just around a little old water drainage drop off, and it wasn't even quite as steep as this porch is. But I come across around that little thing, and that little Mustang humped up and bucked me off and threw me down that wash, and they hit on my head. I always hit on my head when I get bucked off. <laughs> but anyway, I, got, I couldn't see out of one of my eyes. It gave me one of those concussions I couldn't see out of one eye. And we got on into camp. And, of course, those people would get their breakfast, and then they'd start stringing out of there, uh, hiking down the cabin or canyon. And Mac, Mac knew I was hurt a little bit. He, he said, you just sit here and relax, and I'll, I'll get the horses saddled and stuff. And there was one woman there. Uh, she she kind of kept standing around there, and she, I think she was kind of trying to tend me. Mac told her I'd got bucked off, and finally Mac said, "If he said, you know how far it is to get him out of here? 
you know, it, it was a long ways to ride out of there, and that was before they flew helicopters around to pick you yeah. up. And that woman kept monkeying around. She kept saying, what are we going to do with him? And Oh, Max said, he's tough. He'll be all right. And finally she said, you know what? I got some aspirin in my little fanny pouch. And so she got those aspirin out, and she probably gave me four or five of them. But within an hour, I got to where I could see out of my eye, but it'd give me a little cushion. Concussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know how many she gave me, but just luckily she had aspirin because, like, say, in that day and age, we didn't have a lot of pain pills and stuff, but she just packed some aspirin with us. Huh. But anyway, since since that time and in 90, 99, we sold the place in Boulder and moved to Eastern Oregon. Uh, had my dad and mother went with us. My dad had had all the, what, quote, environmental crap that he wanted in Boulder and seen all the vandalism and stuff. He was ready to go. We moved to Oregon and bought par- private ground in eastern Oregon. It don't, it don't rain a lot, but you don't ever see the sun for nine months out of the year. Oh, it is. Cold and miserable. So that's when I decided... Uh, to move to the sunshine. State. Well, I came. We came back to Wayne County. I had a chance. I, I, me and my dad were kind of partners, but we were separate. He, he, we ended up. We tried to buy a big ranch together up there, but it fell through, and so it ended up in Oregon. Him and my mother bought a bought a thousand acre ranch, and Julie and I had bought a, a piece that had eighty acres. Then we had to buy another piece to finish up the money. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, my dad had health issues, and uh, he he passed away up there, but I just couldn't handle. I, I guess I'd been outside and rode a lot. It was no big thrill for me to get on a horse and ride down through the pasture. and So that's when I started looking back down here. I had a chance to buy that stuff in Wayne County. Bought it. Uh, had more than I could handle. Uh, more than one issue. The cattle up on the mountain got... Larkspur and high altitude disease. You had to get used to a lot of cattle dying up there, and I had a chance to sell it, so I sold it, and that's when we ended up coming down here. And I I like it down here because I don't have to do any farming. Yeah. To speak of, I don't have to worry about <laughs> hay and whatever. Yeah. And I I can ride out. It I ride outside. And one other thing, I I saddle my horse right here and go outside. I don't have to load him in horse trailer to go where I'm go to. To where the cattle are at. That's nice. So anyway, it's it's a little bit different deal down here. I it, I had to educate myself a little bit on how to handle the cattle here. You know, you just don't gather up a great big bunch of them and drive them somewhere. You gather up a little bunch and you just start following them and just kind of try to guide them where you want them to go. And some of them old gals, they have a mind of their own. And they, <laughs> anyway, there's kind of an act of knowing how to handle them, and you can ride right. Within ten feet of cow, I never see a see one yeah. here sometimes. But anyway, this this worked out all right, and that's what I told Julian in Oregon and Wayne County. The weather's about the same. I said I'm going where it's too darn hot instead of too darn cold. <laughs> I don't blame you. So anyway, this <laughs> this has worked out pretty good good for us. How has it been a lot different, or have you noticed a huge difference between? handling cows like in the boulder and on the river versus oregon and then versus here yeah yeah those cattle in uh, in utah up there they kind of got used to a routine and they were you could gather up pretty good sized bunches and move them around and mm-hmm. like say even the cattle that were on the river down there 
if you had to leave one with a little calf or something, she always knew to kind of come this way. The cattle on the desert are that way. They, when it gets hot down there and the flies start bothering, they want to come. Yeah. They want to come out of there. In Oregon, the cattle were just out in the pasture all the time, right around close. And yeah, and <laughs> Wayne County was was interesting because those cattle, those guys had been driving them. Uh, they were from from Hanksville, but they were they had been driving them from the Fish Lake down, kind of the backside down to Canesville into Hanksville. And they would bring them back up the same way. Well, I got to where I'd haul the cows because a lot of them had baby calves. I'd haul them up around there. And then they they cut the permit right at Hanksville. So you had to be off the month of May. So them guys, is, Albrecht's would keep those cattle in Hanksville and try to feed them hay and then drive them up. But they anyway, I got to hauling them up to Wayne County and trying to feed them hay up there. And that was a, that was a lot of hay to feed that many cattle. Yeah. But it was it was fun and it was interesting to drive those cattle down through Cathedral Valley and we'd make a trip of it last three or four days to drive those cattle down the desert down that way. That's cool. Yeah, Grandma Jules always gets stuck staying home. <laughs> but I'll <clears throat> I'll have to say one thing, Julie. I I won't tell you how old Julie is. She's two years younger than I am. But Julie can still get on a horse and ride when she needs to 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 help. And I. I'm getting so crippled up, I can't hardly get on the horse, so I have to take her along to do the heavy <laughs> lifting her out. I, I had a, when I was 12 years old, I had this old cracker's horse fall down about a quarter of a mile from the house. He fell down on my leg and broke it. And and I had her, I, my dad came and got me on one of the old Mustangs. He knew I was getting the horses in, but he rode down there and I, I couldn't get on old crackers. He put me, put me on that Mustang with a broken leg and I had to ride him back to the house. One trip going down through Cathedral Valley, I was leading my two saddle horses on. Um, I was on Chad's one of Chad's horses, and my horses. I'd led enough horses on them that when they felt the road rope come tight, the lead rope come tight, they would give to it. Well, I was on Thunder that day, and I took off to head of some cows, and of all things, my lead rope had drug through some dirty, sandy water, uh-huh. and I had one dally on the horn. And when the old Thunder hit the end of that rope, it jerked the saddle halfway off. It jerked my right boot off, stayed in the it was off, and he he throwed me off, and just luckily, hit, not luckily, unluckily, hit a little sand mound like an anthill and right on my shoulder and broke my collarbone. Oh. So Cassie had to haul me out of there that day with a broken collarbone. And then for six weeks after that, I rode quite a bit with the broken collarbone. There's been times of... I've been hurt, and people with me has been hurt pretty bad that, that they've had to get up and go and ride. Yeah. One other thing, I, I, I'm telling my boys, I've been on a lot of the desert country up in Utah up there and a lot of the mountain country because my dad at one time, we had cattle on the east end of the boulder. We bought that Pine Creek permit that Sorensen has. Uh, not Pine, yeah, Pine Creek. We were in Pine I was in Pine Creek for a while in Main Canyon and North Creek. My dad was over to Animony with those guys for a few years. And like I say, we were on the Escaline Desert all the way clear through a lot of that country in Boulder. And uh, So I just, I want to, I don't want to go show any, any of the high, hippie hikers, I call them, yeah. where some of that stuff is. But I, I'm, I'm going to go take Chad and his boys and some of them and go, go show them a few trails. That would be cool. Uh, when, when they 
made the Glen Canyon Dam. This guy that was from Boulder had, uh, he was Gail Bailey's brother-in-law, but Gail Bailey had a lower end of the desert. But that's, I think that's how he got in there. But they would take the cattle down uh, one of those canyons into the Escalante River, and they would take them out on the other side, what they call the reef. And that's between the Escalante River and the drainage Grand Gulch that comes in down the Bullfrog. Oh, okay. And that guy had, my dad and Mac Lefevre drove the first bunch of heifers, and the old-timers had cattle in there before, but my dad and Mac uh, drove those heifers, two-year-old heifers, from on the Escaline Desert down the canyon to the Escaline River, and then a trail that went out on the reef. They took them around to put them in the upper end of Stevens Canyon, fenced them in there so they couldn't follow them back out. Anyway, when they built the Glen Canyon Dam, they told Lars Peterson, they said, we're going to back that water up. We'll back up over that trail where you cannot get those cows. And he'd run in the lower end of the Escalante River in the summertime back out on the bench in the wintertime. So they told him. So I remember when I was in high school, they must have hauled those cattle out there in two-ton trucks from the Sodi down there, clear around to Boulder to this. Lars Peterson had a brother that lived in Boulder. They must have brought 50, 75, 100 head of those cows out of that country but they didn't get them all out of there. So in 65, uh, there was a trail that came uh, from the other side that went out on there. Them guys knew Mac oh, Lefevre okay. and them knew how to, to get out on there. So they went, my dad, Mac Lefevre, and Kirk went and spent a month down there. Plus Lars Peters and another guy went down there and spent, they thought they could get those cows up in two weeks and get them out of there. It took them a month and they brought 30 head out of there. Gosh. But they brought them up the backside up to where the Burt Trail switchbacks are. There was a big trail down there. They brought them out of there. But they still didn't get them all out of there. So Mac Lefevre said, that's a recreation area. We're going to take some wild horses down there. So we did. We took a little bunch of wild horses down there. Plus there was a few, few cattle in there. We went down and chased them and monkeyed with them for a few years. But it took, took me and Dell a while to squeeze it out of the park service, but they went in there and got rid of all those. Oh, There's not really? supposed to be anything in there. We never would fess up. Dell tried to claim the horses one time, and they said, throw your horses, go get them out of there, and we didn't want to <laughs> get them out of there. So I know the, the trail that goes into that country. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, like I say, there's, there's just a lot of that country. The 50-mile mountain, I've never only been on it twice. I can't tell you a whole lot about 50, yeah. but for the most part, all that other country, I'm pretty familiar with it. Talking but, about trails, the, the, didn't they used to drive cows across hogs back? Uh, I can't remember where I heard that from. Yeah, I know. So we lived in that ranch in Lower Boulder, the furthest ranch down there, mm -hmm. and the old Boulder Road, it leaves the Escalante River down there where Bowman's is at. It comes across up across Haymaker Bench where the highway makes the turn to go north where the power lines is, and you can kind of uh -huh. see it. There's a road that goes up on that black ridge, and it goes. The road went up across the hog's back to go to Salt Gulch, but on that bench there's a sand rock road that goes into what they call Dry Holler, and it goes over a little hill and goes into Boulder Creek and comes into Lower Boulder. Oh, so there's okay. a time in my lifetime that I drove cows up that little old narrow sand rock road, and it's only about that wide okay. to, to go in and out of there. And uh, when Dell and I and Anthony first had that Escalante Desert stuff, we twice we, we drove cattle from Escalante to Boulder, and they'd done that more time with the cows without calves come back the other way to the Escalante Desert. Oh, okay. But the traffic's just got so bad they, they can't do that anymore. Yeah.
So that used to be a common thing, like driving oh, from oh, yeah. Boulder to Edmonton. Oh, yeah. And that was, I mean, everybody drove cattle around for years and years. Yeah. Uh, Do you know where that old trail is that Leo used to use, kind of by Calf Creek that goes up on those? I know where it goes out. I know where he. I know where it goes out right there. But where it goes when he hits the top. Hmm. Two years ago, I came with Chad and Breck, and those old men came from Salt Gulch down around, and we went over to where the old mail trail went off into Death Hollow. We looped down around and come off into Escalante River on the Boyington Trail. Oh, okay. But that trail Leo used to used to come out just gets on the top there and goes back out into that same country is that like right when you hit in the bottom in calf creek oh, yeah calf creek right, right there, there where that calf grip creek bridge is uh-huh leo used to park his truck just right there there's a little turnout oh. right there and there's a trail right there somewhere i can't tell you exactly that goes right up right okay. up the hill right there huh. and that would be a good one for somebody to kind of know that it's there too yeah yeah so uh I didn't talk a lot about being on the mountain. It, it's just pretty much routine and mundane. I, 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 I don't dislike the mountain, but I always like down the desert. Yeah. And, and I spend a lot of time, not a lot of time, but I spend quite a bit of time, not especially with cattle, but when I work for Lincoln, I, I work construction and I, I, with him, and I, I help build or rebuild some roads and stuff down that lower country. But I know he 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 built the roads originally. Uh, Lincoln did. He, yeah, he. In fact, he told me. Uh, he was just a kid when his dad got killed. So when him and Dale got to be teenagers, I think they were only ten or twelve years old. They they went to Escalante, and they caused more trouble than what they were worth. <laughs> but this old Rex Whitaker. From Anamone or over that way, he had cattle down the lower end of the desert, and that's Lincoln went to work for him. And he said that's where I learned how to run a dozer. Rex Whitaker had a little D4 dozer, and I think the road only went to maybe Willow Tank or something. But Rex Whitaker went and pushed the road right on down through. Oh, okay. Must have went and cleared the Horn Rock. Probably built those roads up on the bench down there too. That's cool. Yeah, and there's a time when I worked for Lincoln. I I graded the road from. Is Willow Tank, is that where the trail goes up on the upper end of the 50? I've, I've graded both of them roads, the, the upper and the lower road with the grader down there. The BLM hired Lincoln to go down there and grade them. I got the dirty job at <laughs> grading those. Well, I've asked all the questions that I was planning on, but anything if there's anything else? else you want to share, feel free. How long have we been out here? <laughs> that concludes part two of my interview with Arthur Lyman. Stay tuned for a brand new episode coming out in two weeks.